The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and video teachings, visit mountainpark.org. I'm going to continue with uh, the, the series that we've been in uh, so far this year. And if you're new with us, we're committing the entire year to what we're calling 2012 A.D., Anno Domini, which is the year of our Lord. We're going to spend the whole year talking about Jesus and what it means to have relationship with him. Last week, we finished the first section of our journey here this year, which was called Decision. And the whole thing wrapped up with the invitation to sign one of these boards to say whether or not you want to be one of the 12. Uh, Persons came up and signed that and said, yes, I want to to be connected with Jesus in a new way. I want to be one of his disciples. We're imagining ourselves putting on the sandals of a first century Jew and saying, I want to connect with Jesus. Um, We are we're referring to these different sections as stages, not as uh, series, but as stages and hoping to connect with the concept of stages of relationship. That when we talk about dating or marriage or friendships, we talk about stages. And so the first stage was this decision of saying, yes, I want to, to connect with Jesus. And the second stage that we're looking at, the second tab in your binder, is called Discover. And so what we're doing now is we're saying, now that I've chosen to be one of the 12, I want to discover more about who it is that I'm following. I want to discover more about who Jesus is. So we're going to hang out with him for a little bit. In fact, the discover concept in terms of stages of relationship and such, it's kind of like dating. It's kind of like we're going to, uh, for the next seven weeks, we're going to date Jesus. And we're going to spend some time with him. We're going to hang out with him and learn more about him. Now, I know some of you guys are thinking, whoa, 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 you lost me. You lost me here. You want me to date Jesus? Well, yeah, okay. Just think of it and perhaps uh, maybe lose the rose. And think of it more in terms of hanging out. Hanging out with Jesus. I mean, I would like to hang out with Eli Manning. I think that would be a pretty interesting. I'd like to hang out with C.S. Lewis. I'd like to hang out with Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. I would totally love that. So think of it about hanging out if you're more comfortable with that. What we're going to do is we're going to spend the next seven weeks just hanging out with Jesus, dating Jesus, if you will. And the idea here is that we're going to learn about his humanity, about his character, about who he is. We're going to uh, uh, stay away from the supernatural stuff right now. We're going to stay away from the miraculous. We're going to hit that. Once we hit Easter, boom, we're going to, uh, with, with, ex- with an explosion, we're going to jump into his supernatural and miraculous. But right now, we're just going to learn about who he is. It's like sitting down with Jesus and saying, Jesus, tell me about yourself. Tell me about yourself. I want to be one of the 12. I want to learn more about you. I mean, that's what we do in the dating process, right? When first early on, we just, we can't spend enough time with that other person. So we spend hours and hours and hours and, and we, you can uh, uh, lose track of time as uh, just three becomes four, becomes five hours and tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. You're on the phone for three, four, five hours. And it's, no, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. No, I love you more. I love you more. I mean, the whole bleh, disgusting thing that we can do. And all of that, it's a good thing. It's actually kind of the foundation for having what I think is the most 
important part of human relationships. It's the most important part of a marriage relationship. It's healthy communication. So starting off with that desire to want to connect with one another, it's great. It's beautiful. People say that sex and money are the two big marriage busters. I think communication is over and above both of those things because if we can talk about sex and money, we're in a much better place. So communication is a huge issue. Many who start in their relationships, they just start dating and it's early on. You could be 14 years old, you could be 45, and some uh, start in this dating process and instead of all this talking, it's just suck face time. And so it can be three, four hours of alfalfa. Uh, if you're alfalfa, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> And sometimes we slip into that because maybe we don't know what to say or we don't know how to say it and it's, there's a whole lot of pleasure and it's so much easier to just alfalfa through the night. And so, and that, that sometimes is not good. I mean, alfalfa's good, but, but just doing that without the communication piece, that can be, uh, uh, we can miss out on these foundational developmental stuff. So, so it is an, it's such an important thing to be, able to, to be able to connect and to be able to say, okay, let's, let's kind of lose track of time while we spend this time together, while we connect with one another. I shared uh, a couple weeks ago that I met my wife in Africa. I was in seminary at the time, and uh, I got to tell you, when I uh, came back from uh, uh, meeting her, and, um, and then I would share with my friends, I uh, loved being able to say, I, I, met, I met this girl. My, I have a girlfriend now, and I met her in Africa. Her name is... Um, I got to tell you, I got a lot of mileage out of that one. It was a whole lot of fun. Uh, gods must be crazy. Okay, anyway. Um, now, we met in Kenya, which they, they don't speak like that, but it's still uh, fun for me. But uh, they uh, speak Swahili and English, and uh, I was teaching there in, in Kenya, and she was there for a two-week work camp. And uh, she was still dating somebody else, and so um, uh, by the end of that, we weren't dating, but we certainly were connecting, losing track of time at night. In fact, the night before she left on the plane to go back to, uh, to America, um, we uh, hung out, and we went for a walk, and the, the, the college was in a rural part of, of Kenya, and so they have these dirt roads that are around the area, and we just kind of started walking around on these dirt roads, and we were walking uh, at one, two, three o'clock in the morning, and we just were walking and talking and talking and walking and enjoying it, and then the sun came up. The whole night we did this, and totally blasted the whole night. I was a mess the next day. She got sick the next day. It was just great. It's what you do when you date, Right. And it was fantastic, and, and I told the, the, I was staying with the president of the college, that's where I was staying while I was in Kenya, and I told him what we did, and he said, you did what? He said, you are not, two Caucasians are not supposed to walk around in the middle of the night on those dirt roads in this area. You're just not supposed to do that without a weapon. That was not smart. So, here, already today, you've learned two things. Don't just suck face when you're dating, and if you're walking around at night in rural African roads, uh, bring a weapon. So you've already learned something. You can write those two down, uh, something, something uh, that we learn. So if you were going to sit down and ask Jesus, tell me about yourself, what, what I want to venture uh, today is imagining Jesus uh, responding in this way. I know it's kind of bold for me to guess how would Jesus respond, okay? But this is just my guess, and I'll tell you why this is my guess. I would imagine or guess that Jesus might say, 
Tell me about yourself that he would say, I connect deeply with the humble, not with the proud. The reason I think he might say that is that that's the first thing he says both in Matthew and in Luke. After he gathers the 12, he says, who are the 12? The first thing he says is he does what's referred to as the Beatitudes. And uh, I want to look at the Matthew version. So we're in Matthew chapter 5. I want to uh, uh, read these to you and perhaps remind you of them. Chapter 4 ends with Jesus identifying the disciples and identifying some of the disciples. The first of the disciples, he identifies them. And then chapter 5, he begins the Sermon on the Mount. And in verse 3, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, he launches into the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those. Blessed are those. He's saying, I want you to look at your life radically different. The whole Sermon on the Mount is a sermon of, of an, about an upside-down kingdom, about flipping the whole thing around. He says, I want you to look at your life differently. Right off the bat, he says, I want to bring hope to those who are low. I want to bring hope to those who are humbled by life. I want to bring the hope to those who are poor, to those who are uh, meek, to those who are in mourning, to those who are persecuting. I want to bring hope to the humble. I think Jesus says right off the bat, I connect with the humble. Blessed are those with whom I can connect deeply with. Now, a reasonable question is how do we become humble? I mean, what's this uh, process of humble? How do we become humble? And first of all, I just want to remind you that that humility is not uh, an issue of low self-esteem. Humility is not about seeing yourself as being low or being worthless. Numbers chapter 12, there's a verse that says, Moses was the most humble man in the world. Do you know who wrote Numbers chapter 12? (laughs) Moses. That's hilarious. Moses says, I just want to tell you, I am the most humble man in the world. Being humble, you can actually be good at being humble. You, you can actually have a high self-esteem about your humility. It's okay. Humility and low self-esteem are not equated. In fact, it is a powerful thing to have confidence and humility. Talked about this before. It is a, a a one-two punch, confidence and humility. It's a beautiful thing. Humility, humility is good. Humility is a good thing. So how do we get humility? There's two ways. One is that we are humbled. Is that uh, with regard to the circumstances around us, we are humbled. We're the object of something that makes us humbled, and that's what Jesus is talking about here. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are mourning because of something that had happened. Blessed are those who are persecuted. We are humbled. Jesus says, I connect deeply with those who are humbled. And they are blessed because of that. 
One way to experience humility is to be humbled. The other is to humble yourself. James, the brother of Jesus, says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and God, he will lift you up. So there's a decision being made there to say, I will put myself in a place where I will be humbled. So at work, this means there are times when we pass off the attention or the credit for something, we let it go to somebody else. We humble ourselves. We don't, if we have the opportunity or the hope to get 78 units of credit in a day because of what we've done and how amazing we've been, humility means sometimes we let some of those go. That's from last Easter. (laughs) And you caught it. Blessed is the woman who catches the confetti. Excellent. Excellent. That's, we thought we cleaned them all up. That's great. Okay. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I was. Okay. What was I talking about? Help me out. Were you paying attention? 78 credits. Good. That, that part, that the second way to, to become humble is to humble yourself, is to volitionally, intentionally say, I'm going to pass some of this on. Either we are humbled by the circumstances around us or we will intentionally choose to say, to say that we will humble ourselves. And there's a blessing in being humbled because it's hard work to humble ourselves. It's hard work to pass that on to grit our teeth through those uh, reduced units of credit. It's hard work to do that. And so there's a blessing in, in, in life that we would be humbled sometimes by the circumstances around us. Jesus says, I connect deeply with those who are humble. I give hope to the humble. He says, I want you to look at your circumstances differently. That you are blessed when you are poor or poor in spirit because there is a, a, a quicker path to trusting God. We are blessed um, in our mourning because we only mourn if we've loved. So the more we mourn, the, the, the more that represents a depth of connection that we had with somebody that we care about. That we are, that we are blessed in our, in, uh, as we show mercy because it, is, it reveals that there's a tenderness to our heart. Jesus says, I want you to look at your circumstances differently. I bring hope to the humble. I connect deeply with the humble. That's the first thing he says when he gathers his disciples in both Matthew and Luke. First thing he says, and we love him for it. But then, if you're familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, he gets dangerous very quickly. He turns the corner pretty quickly as he talks more about this upside-down kingdom. And he talks about kind of the second half of what I'm talking about today. Because um, he gives hope to the humble, but to those who are not humble, yet he challenges. And he challenges aggressively, and he challenges dangerously. Let me continue to read in chapter 5. I'm going to jump around kind of quickly here, but chapter, chapter 5, verse 21, he says, You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Verse um, 27. You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jump down to verse 38. You've heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. 
If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Verse 43, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I even skipped over a few in there. He says, you've heard this, but what I want to tell you is something even more. Jesus ups the ante. He, the upside down kingdom says, I want to increase the standard. I want to raise the standard by which you live your life. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. So, for example, Alan, you've heard it said that you are to be patient with your kids. But I tell you, Alan, what, what, I, what I hear from God is, uh, Alan, I want you to, to dream creatively about how you can pour into your kids, how you can inspire them, how you can pour into their hearts and prepare them for the journey, for the story that I have for them. Alan, you've heard it said, don't divorce your wife. But I tell you, Alan, enjoy your wife. Help her to experience my love through you. He increases the standards. He says, he says yeah, you've heard this, and this is a baseline. Good, hang on to that. But I want to take it even further. Jesus brings hope to the humble. But to those who are not humbled yet, he challenges fiercely. And what's the opposite of being humble? Being proud. So he brings hope to the humble, and he challenges the proud. Let me continue to read here in chapter 6. This is all part of this one Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 6 begins, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. Verse 5, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. And then he talks about fasting. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. Careful with the pride that we get from displaying our incredible spirituality. He gives, he gives hope to the humble, and he challenges the proud. I think if we ask him, Jesus, tell me about yourself, he might say, I connect deeply with the humble, not with the proud. I bring hope to the humble. I challenge the proud. It's important for us to remember who it is that we're sitting with, who it is that we're choosing to be with when we say, I want to be one of the 12, who it is that we're hanging out with. It's important to remember who he is and where he's coming from. I served as, a, as an associate pastor in Cincinnati before I came here for nine years. And during my time there, there was this uh, very wealthy woman who started coming to the church. She visited the church. She checked it out. And uh, she, had a, she walked in. She had a big fur coat on. And she, she pranced around like Elton John in that new Pepsi commercial, you know. And no Pepsi for you. And, uh, and she came in and for her, she came for three Sundays in a row. And at the end of her third a visit, her third Sunday, she was walking to her Mercedes, and she said to God, she said, uh, God, I, I don't know if I want to be a part of this church. They're just a bunch of losers. 
Because that's, you know, we talked about brokenness or we talked about uh, uh, imperfection and sin and all that. She just said, they're just a bunch of losers. And she felt, she told us this story later that she felt like God said to her in that experience, yes, you're right, they are. And you're just a sophisticated loser. Yeah. She carried that with her for a while. You see, we're all broken. We're all broken. Some of us, however, have a hard time dipping into the humility part because we either ignore that brokenness or we don't see it. And in, and in a world, in a, in a city that experiences tremendous earthly success, earthly wealth, that's the hardest place for us to go to a place of humility. This is, we struggle more with the pride thing than many around the world because of what we're experiencing. Many of us have a hard time admitting that we're in need, that we're sophisticated losers, in need of a savior, in need of a Messiah. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus says, anyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And anyone who humbles himself will be exalted. It's essential for us, to, for us to understand this is where Jesus is coming from. That's the message that he, that he would send to us if we gathered with him as one of the 12. Last week I talked about the prodigal son and that, that name, that title is not fair because the story really is about two sons. It's about an older son and it's about a younger son. And the older son really believes through his actions and through his part of the story that it's, it's good versus bad. It's the good rule followers who are in, and it's the bad, wayward, younger sons who are out. The good are in, the bad are out. And then the younger son uh, sees things differently and sees the redemption that he experienced, and he, and he might believe that it's the tolerant and the, the gracious who are in, and it's the narrow-minded rule followers who are out. And what we see from that story is that both of them were wrong, that Jesus comes in and gives another option. And Jesus, if you think back to the prodigal son's story, he might come into that and say, no, it's the humble who are in. It's the proud who are out. Because Jesus says, I, I connect with the humble, not the proud. So if you are proud, if, you're, if you are proud, if you uh, like to display your spirituality, if you have a hard time admitting that there is a place of, of sin or weakness in your life, if you have a hard time admitting that there is a place of, of darkness, uh, that something that is destructive has a hold on you in, in some area where you're not admitting to anyone else, then receive Jesus' challenge. Receive his challenge. Receive his challenge if you are proud. That's what it means to be a follower of him. And if you are humble today, if you are humbled by your circumstances, if you feel like a loser, if you wonder how you're going to get through the end of this year emotionally or financially, then receive his hope. Receive his hope. Because what he says, first off, 
is that you are blessed. If you're already at this point of being humbled and you say with tears, Jesus, I need you, then you are blessed is what Jesus says. Receive that blessing. You are blessed. There is this mandatory thing that's a part of the spiritual journey of following Christ where we shift from being proud to being humble. It's a mandatory shift. That's why I'm excited about the, the, the team that's going to Honduras. That there's, that there's something that happens when we, when we surrender to God and go on trips like this. And many of you are here in the room, you've been on trips like this. You understand this. They will not come back the same. It's a dangerous journey because they will not come back the same. They will be humbled by the reality of the circumstances that the families and the people live in in El Progreso. Many will have never seen something like that. They will be humbled when they come back and look at or think about their struggles with their own home or their own car or their own multiple cars. They will be humbled by that. They will never be the same. They'll be humbled by looking at the pure and simple joy that's in the people there as they worship, as they, as they enjoy life, as they connect with one another, as they welcome in these foreigners, these strangers, they will be humbled by how that experience compares to some of our interactions, some of our sophisticated interactions here. I'm excited about that because that's part of this beautiful shift that I think Jesus is excited about from pride to humility. Jesus would say, I think, I connect with the humble, not the proud. Now, I could soften that by saying, by imagining Jesus saying, I connect with the humble more than the proud. But I think Jesus is pretty clear and strong about this point, saying, if, you've, if you are hanging on to pride, if that kind of defines your story, your walk, I think Jesus distances himself from that. I think it's hard to be one of the 12. It's hard to connect with Jesus when we carry pride with us. I think he connects with the humble, not the proud. Last week, many signed this board here and said, I want to be one of the 12. And one of the beauties of it is that that's going to be different for different people. What exactly does that mean? What exactly does that mean? Well, it's a relationship, so that's going to be different for different folks. And throughout the year, we're going to talk about what that might mean. And today, what that means is shifting from from our pride to humility. Where does that sit for you? Over the last uh, for, over, for the last uh, few moments of our time here together this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to God. And uh, if you've been here for a while, there's a number of different ways to do that here in the room. And so we've added one for this year, and that is you can go to the board if you have not signed yet. You can sign up at the board any 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 week where we have these response times. You can come and say, uh, maybe you missed last week or you uh, had, thought, had to think about it for a week, and you can come and sign. That can be one of your responses. Or as Marsh and the band lead us in the last couple songs, you can come to the cross right on this red card. Maybe there's a pride issue for you that you want to let go of, and you want to nail it to the cross and say, I can't let go of that thing on my own. I need help. Up at the front here, there's, there's uh, unassisted prayer. Where folks, where you could gather in and no one's going to bother you. No one's going to tap you on the shoulder. You can come light a candle. There will be anointing over there to the right. In the book of James, it says if you need healing, you come and the elders 
of the church will come and anoint you. Uh, put a little cross on your forehead representing the healing power of God. If that's what you need, it's available for you here this morning. At either of the doors, there's assisted prayer. Folks on our prayer team would love to pray with you. There is communion in the center back. You can either serve yourself, gather as a family, or someone would be honored to serve you in that way. We welcome you to go to the table if you are a follower of Christ. Or you can stay where you are. Just respond, write, sing, sit, think, pray. Let's take the next few moments and respond to God. Would you bow your hair, heads with me? Father, it is, uh, it is a great honor to imagine that we get to sit down with you. And for some here in this room, that's, that's been their journey for a long time, and it's just kind of a reminder. But, perfa- but perhaps uh, for others, that is a completely different picture of you, Jesus. May we spend time with you. May we learn how to sit and say, tell me about yourself, Jesus. God, you, you want to raise up the humble. You want to exalt the humble, give hope to the humble. And you want to challenge our, our pride. And so, God, in these next few moments, I pray that you'd do both of that, both of those things. Have your way. Because we want to connect with you more deeply. We surrender the next 10 minutes or so to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.